Well, we're sitting here again in the Hilton. Um, Tour Down Under has been a very successful place for me to get podcasts recorded. Um, Much to the demand, actually. Walking around here at the Hilton uh, has been a lot of demand from the public. Where's a podcast? So I'm doing the podcast. And a person that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a long time is a good friend of mine, Adam Hansen, who is now in his 11th year as a professional. And people may know him for his record for the Grand Tours, and they also may know him for for many other things. Other things I find very interesting about Adam. Um, His time riding the Crocodile Trophy race um, on the mountain bikes, but also he's he's entering, he's done 19 Grand Tours in a row. The Giro will be his 20th attempt at a Grand Tour. So, without further ado, I welcome Adam. Thank you. <laughs> um, and straight off the bat, <clears throat> we're just working that out then. What was the previous record? Wait, wait, wait. Let's, before we do all that. <laughs> 19 Grand Tours. Let's just go back another step for the nomads out there. A Grand Tour is what? <clears throat> uh, yeah, Grand Tour is um, it's three weeks of hell. It's uh, I think um, for any rider that finishes the Grand Tour, um, when you finish the last stage, it's like you're returning home from war. You've you've gone through um, almost every situation mentally and physically, and um, you're homesick, and you've been with a group of guys where you've just um, um, battled through everything together and you know it's the last day to go home so to finish the Grand Tour is um, I think for every rider a very special moment and then and and back from that just even to go to the aesthetics of a Grand Tour just run through what that might be it's it's a three week race with two days you only get to rest and um, the first Grand Tour is run in Italy called the Giro d'Italia the second is the Tour de France, which I don't need to explain to anyone. And the third is the Vuelta a España, run around Italy, uh, Spain. So, what to put, put that in context, what you just said, it's everything Adam said that happens over three weeks of racing, 21 stages, <laughs> and... Yeah, a lot of, for lack of a better word, blood, sweat, and tears go into it. Um, if that's if that's given anyone an idea and taking your mind into the Grand Tours again, Adam, um, when you first started your first Grand Tour, what year was that? <clears throat> I did the Giro in two thousand and seven. Um, I only did two stages and crashed out. Yep. Um, that was with uh, T-Mobile. Uh, that was very nervous because it was my yeah my first Grand Tour and it's a very big team. So it's a team time trial, and there's nothing worse than doing a team time trial as a Neo Pro with Team Mobile. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, was Jan in the team? No, he wasn't. Oh uh, God, imagine that. I was lucky. But Goncha was there. <laughs> Cloden? He was he? No, he wasn't there that year. God, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I missed out one year, <clears throat> but for the best, I also think. Yeah, but um. 
so my first one didn't end very well, but my second one was at the Velta that year, same year, and I finished that one also. Um, yeah, so that's where it starts. But just going back to where you said it's three weeks, to me it's not three weeks, it's four weeks. Mm-hmm. Because what people forget is you do have the two rest days and you do have to be there two or three days before. And for me on the on the mental side, you're f- with travelling and everything because you can't leave the night of the last stage, so you're really four weeks away from home. And mm. um, for me personally, that's a, that's a pretty tough thing. I'm, I really enjoy being home and uh, to be away for so long, uh, it uh, just makes it uh, extra bit harder. Yeah. And then when you back in that, in that first, so the, that first Giro and even the, I guess the, the record, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but it probably started in the Vuelta then. I guess at that moment, there's no way you're ever thinking of, okay, let's let's start 19. You know, let's start the consistency. You know, like what was... Because for me, it was a dream to become professional. Then when you become professional, was this idea of like, well, could you do a grand tour? Now, can I get selected to do a grand tour? Then in a grand tour, can I finish it? So... How has that materialised? Did you have those same sort of thoughts in those early days? Oh, for sure. Was, you know, once you become professional, it's like one tick of the box. Yeah. And then uh, to do a Grand Tour is um, it's super nervous for a rider for the first time. You don't know. You, before you do a Grand Tour, the longest race you can ever do is 10 days long. Yeah. And it's a big difference from 10 days to 21. So it's always... You know that that nervousness of what's going to happen after stage ten. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, but when I did the first one, okay, it was uh, ticking the box, and then um, you know I wanted to do the Giro, so I did the Giro, and then I did the Tour, so I did the Tour, and then I asked if I could do the Velta, and my sports director actually um, didn't select me, and he thought I was joking, and then I saw the the the, um, the start list, and I wasn't there. And then I, I said, hey, I want to do the Velta. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah ha, ha. And he still didn't put me in. And then a week passed and I was like, I, I really want to do the Velta. So then he finally put me in. And then, because I always wanted to do three Grand Tours a year. That was just one thing I wanted to do. One time you're crazy. So That's well, it, if I could, If I could ever try and do three. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I did the three <clears throat> and I did them all well and the team was happy. So um, I said, I'll try and do it again the next year. Was this with Lotto? This all started with Lotto. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, so I did the second year, and I was at number five, and someone said there's a record for the most consecutive Grand Tours. Mm. And it was ten back then. And I said to myself, ah, it's impossible. It is. Were you already feeling somewhat fatigued from doing the three? Were you thinking, oh, I've done three now, but... Jeez, I don't know if I could do four. But you had the off-season then. Yeah, so I always believe <clears throat> if you do the Giro, the Tour, doesn't matter if you do the Veltron. Because you have the off-season to freshen up. Yeah. So I always enjoy doing the Velta for many reasons. Because if you don't do the Velta, not many um, people know this, that a lot of riders get sick, as we say. They get tired. <laughs> they no one can see the inverted commas <laughs> that Adam was just putting in there. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, everyone gets tired towards the end of the season and then, and you get a lot of call-ups to do these uh, one-day races and if you don't have a fixed program at the end of the season, you could be really stuck doing quite a lot of races at the end of the season with a lot of travel days. And if you just 
put your name down on the Velta, you know, you've got one race to do, you do it and you go home. Um, and the Velta back then was an easier race. Um, you know, the weather's always going to be good. Where uh, it's, it's changed a bit now, but as you just know what you got. So that's why I always did it. But once <clears throat> I was told about the record, I said, no, I'm not going for it. I, I didn't believe it's possible because you know how easy it is to get sick, crash out, not being selected. Um, there's so many factors, things that are totally out of your control for yourself. So I just ignored it. And then um, as time gone on, uh, year by year, I got closer and closer. And then um, I found out that there was a different record of 12 Grand Tours because the Velta used to be a two-week stage race. So... And it was in a different time of the season. So it was earlier in the year. It was, it was back to back on the Giro, wasn't it? Yeah. Which I also find amazing too. Mm. You know. Well, well just let, before you go on, because you touched on some things I really want to ask you about and you just sort of just made them seem insignificant because I don't think people understand that one thing you pointed out there was crashes, sickness. It's pretty difficult, and I think someone told me in statistic about 30% of the Peloton don't finish a Grand Tour. And that is some people who are pulling out for a different reason, or they're pulling out because they're physically tired, but there's two other reasons there that I think get overlooked, is crashes that are out of your hands, which happen more or less every day, big ones maybe five times in a Grand Tour, and sickness. You know, you go into these buffets... Where someone's sick and they're grabbing the you know the ladle to spoon their pasta in, and then you're grabbing that same ladle and then going and eating some bread with your hands, and next thing you know you're crook, right? Exactly. Yeah. And there's the weather, and so uh, that's one thing that bewilders me is that you've been able to I wouldn't say miss all those because maybe you can tell us a little bit about when you've run into some of those sicknesses and crashes and pushed on, but. You've never really had a significant crash, and touch wood, I hope that doesn't happen, where you know, you've broken a collarbone or broken a hip where you physically can't ride on anymore. So that's been an amazing fact too. True. You know, yeah, I have been, um, I say lucky, but I, I also am very cautious on the bike. Um, to me, I always say it's just a bike race. So I don't risk too much in the bunch. But I think, um, didn't I break my sternum on your back wheel? Was it me? I think it was you. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> was it in the crash in the Giro one year? In that wet crash on the downhill there? No, no, it was uphill and the road went narrow. I'm sure it was you. Oh, geez, I hope... No, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Yeah, the road went narrow. I've only ridden the Giro once. It was 2.14, so if it was yeah, that yeah, year. Yeah. yeah, right. So the road went um, was uphill, wide, then it went narrow, and then everyone's putting the brakes on, and I was just meant to go between you and the rider next to you, and the guy next to me sort of forced me to go directly... Up my ass. Up your ass. And I locked up, went over my bike, put my hands out to touch the ground, and your back wheel hit my chest before my hands oh. touched the ground. <laughs> and um, I was... I've never been hit so hard in the chest, and I actually um, fractured my sternum there. I didn't know at the time. Um, and, yeah, I was on the side of the ground, and just... I, I couldn't breathe. That was That was... Probably my worst crash in, in the Grand Tour streak. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How'd you push it. on through that? Yeah, that was, um, it was, actually it was really difficult because of the stages after that we started with many corners and that. 
and I couldn't stand up and you know when you're sitting down and everyone's sprinting out of the corner single file and you leave 15 meters and then you close it like all those efforts and that it made it um it made it very difficult but um yeah I carried and that that Giro it rained a lot I I didn't finish that Giro I got sick I pulled out in the second rest day because I remember the day after that rest day was this ridiculous stage it was like up the Garvia and I don't know all the mountain names but Stelvio yada yada and I remember being on that rest day thinking I was I was sick but that makes me just sound like a soft cop (laughs) actually I should have pushed on no no yeah but at that moment were you thinking about the record or no it wasn't it wasn't in my head at all it wasn't it was just more determined to finish the race that's your style well I think you should always finish everything you start so um, yeah I like to finish things Hmm. Is that and is that something that? Well, that's that's your mentality. Finish everything you start, and is that how? Is that what has actually started the record now? Um. Well, I, well, I really never had any intentions to do the record. I just just like to finish everything I start. Yeah, and I like that. I like the program that I had. Uh, I like being home, hmm. and people forget. They, they think I'm always away from home, which is true with all these Grand Tours. But with these Grand Tours, I also have, um, yeah, I have almost all of February off, all of March off pretty much. And I do one race like Paris-Nice in the past, and then I have all of April off, and then I do Giro, and then I have all of June off, and then I do the uh, Tour, and then I have all of August off, and then I do the Velta. <clears throat> so I have, a, um, I think, four times, four weeks in a row at home mm. and to me I love that because that gives you enough time to sort of get comfy get relaxed at home have some downtime, and you can go out again and start racing I really I think if I had a program today where I was doing you know one race here three days off one week there four days home one day there with the travel days and everything uh, I think mentally this would be much more difficult for me it is actually yeah and on the other side I only do eight races a year only have eight travel days a year Hmm. Um, and if you're doing 40 races a year then you have 40 travel days a year extra so when you add up all the days I'm actually more time at home than other cyclists Hmm. what are your little sneaky techniques now over these years I'm sure you've worked out a I call it a hotel protocol and I reckon we've got some similarities there that little things that just allow the hotel to be that little bit more comfortable to yourself what are some little things that when you're on a grand tour because like you said it's a month away so you have to actually pack a few little extra things to get you through that month um what are some little things that you might do that you think is you know that gets you through that month um I don't know if you've seen my YouTube video of what I bring in my suitcase. No, I haven't. You have to check that I will. Plug it up. Yeah, right. Um, I should have looked at that. Sorry. The, Run us through. <laughs> I carry everything. I literally carry... Um, <clears throat> I have a toolbox. The toolbox has everything in it that you can ever think of. I carry epoxy, tape, sandpaper. Um, yeah, full toolkit to Why? Open. Why? Just in case, because I, I I just like things working. And, yeah. Um, the right. Will you fix things in the room? Well, yeah. If it's something in the room I'd, that annoys me, like the lamp, because this one's a bit saggy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you just do you send your docket into the hotel? Yeah, lamp repaired, shower <laughs> no, screen <I> also repaired. <laughs> but uh, 
Really? Will you fix stuff in the room? I didn't know oh, that. So, yes. Things like that annoy me. Uh, and if, yeah, if I have, and I do have the tools most of the time, I'll, I'll um, yeah, I'll fix things like that. Um, writers joke about me that they call my room the office. Um, and I'm always fixing people's laptops or, um, because I'm into computers or people's phones and there's always something like that. If a guy has a bowler system on his uh, shoe broken, you know, I have to relace it because they think I'm the only one on the team that can relace it. <laughs> so the mechanics come to you sometimes and ask? Yeah, they do actually. Really? Um, yeah. And about actually, bike things or about intricate things? Oh, if it's, um, yeah, everything. Uh, if they have a Dremel that's not working, they come and take to me to have a look at. If they have a what not working? Dremel. What's that? Dremel. Uh... It's like uh, the thing where you can shave off material, it cuts things also. Oh, you yeah, right. attachments to it. So the actual the mechanics of that. Yeah. Um, so things like that. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, or if it's even the um, audio system or the TV system in the bus, if things are broken, it's always get Adam to do it. Um, yeah, or changing um, screens on mobile phones if someone drops one. A cracked screen. Yeah, yeah, I do that also. Um, yeah, I'm the repair guy in the team. What's your history before cycling then? Um, well, I was a computer programmer before, um, and I worked on valuation systems for property. Uh, so that was my um, main job. But then, yeah, I'm really... Well, yeah, everyone nicknames me MacGyver. I, I just... Yeah, if there's a problem something's broken they just bring it to me and I have basically the tools and the gear to fix things I've I, I got to ask but you're a computer programmer before you were living in Australia in Cairns in Cairns and then so what led from because I just see them as different ends of the earth to becoming a professional cyclist I know it's a big leap there's a lot of stuff in between those two but I can't draw the two. Well, I did um, triathlons at the same time as right. I was uh, uh, working full-time as a programmer, and I was really good at running and swimming, but I couldn't ride a bike very well. So um, I was doing some cycle races on the side, and uh, and a few years before that, I um, yeah, I was back then programming jobs are exactly like as a professional cyclist as you have contracts yearly contracts um, six month contracts or project contracts so it was never a full time job so I was just running from contract to contract and one of the biggest contracts I had was with um, Heron Ted White Property Valuers with the valuation software that they used I was working on that and then um, we were bought out by a company in Sydney so that was um, closed off but it was a nice deal anyway and then I had a very nice job um, working for a very small firm that we did encryption software. And my role was to overtake someone else's job. And he knew that and he was making my life a bit hell. Yeah, right. Um, so it wasn't too nice, but it was a dream job because yeah. to work in encryption is um, something I always wanted to do. <laughs> so I was doing that and at the same time this, my triathlons weren't working out because of my cycling and I just had an opportunity to join a cycling club in Austria at the same time. So wow. Yeah, so I quit my job and... Well, this I, was purely to improve your cycling for triathlons? Yeah. Yeah, not to go cycling? No, not to yeah. go cycling. So I joined a club in Austria and then I started doing some racing there and I just loved it. I just loved the whole um, the cycling package. To, to be a triathlete is very difficult. You've got to find your sponsors. It's a lot of training. Um, it's a lot of your own organisation everything. And to be in a cycling team, 
we get we get it's it's a it's like a um, holiday tour package in a yeah. sense, you know. And everything's put, taken care yeah, of. Everything's taken. You're just worried about racing. Oh yeah, it's true. That's the only thing you have to worry about. Training. They give you all the clothing, the bikes. They organise your flights, hotels. You just got to be at the airport at that time, and as soon as you're on your flight, they will pick you up from the airport, take you to your hotel, and take you to the start. They'll um, do your nomination, get your race numbers. You don't have to do anything. And actually, on that note, as good as that is, it also can be a a negative thing. I think for a lot of guys because. Over the years, you can become lazy, actually. Oh, for sure. You slip into this mold of, like, people do everything for me. Yeah. And something that I've loved about you is that, and I didn't know the extent, having never roomed with you, I've only spoken to you a little bit about it, but you keep yourself active. And I think that's a key, and I try and do that myself as well. Well, with the potty is one thing. But keeping yourself active and keeping yourself normal to normal life because when we come on this world of this this small bubble world of cycling it's not normal life someone doing your washing someone practically wiping your bum and it is it is great because all you have to worry about is racing but if you get too caught up in that you lose the track of what normal life is a little bit oh for sure this scares me with the younger generation especially like i came from a working background so i know what it's like in the real world um and with the younger generation, like cyclists that start at the age of 14, for example, you know, they get the bike given, the clothing given, they get into the the, um, the national institutes, they get um, taken to all the races, and everything's for free. Everything's for free at such a young yeah. age. And they sort of grow into cycling and think that everything's for free. And it's a bit of a shame because they hit like the mid-20s and they really believe life is so easy because they've had everything given to them for free. And you see it when um, some of these guys retire, um, just how lucky cyclists are and the lifestyle we have. And uh, you can even sometimes hear when some of the riders complaining are down under, like I think to myself, they fly us here business class. Yeah. We stay at the Hilton and we get forced to work in Australia for two weeks. And for three hours a day, yeah. four, maybe yeah. and it's, a day. And the week before, it's all coffee shop rides and a little bit of hard training. And this is people's dreams. And, you know, we're living it and we get paid to do it. So It's a nice reality check. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I try and keep that reality check as much as I can. But sometimes you get caught up in it. And, look, I'm not perfect either. And I'll complain about something like, where the hell is the protein shake? You know, come on. Or something (laughs) like that, right? Mm. And it is nice speaking to people like yourself or someone else or even just a mate who's not a cyclist and you're like, you know what? And you get that fact. You're like, it ain't too bad. No, so it's, it's, um, it's a great lifestyle. It's a great. And when you know what the real world's like, it's pretty good here. Yeah. Mm. We've drifted off topic, but I knew that would happen, <laughs> but I, I'm happy to. Um, one, <laughs> to go back on what we were saying and um, one thing now moving on a little bit to the actual achieving the record obviously that became a, a fact and you're like okay now I've uh, I'm, I'm going for this I don't know is that true? that didn't really happen until when I got to 10 and they, they changed the record from 10 to 12 
and then um, I was like, okay, now I'm going to go for the record. Um, before, when I was at six, seven, eight, I was just expecting to crash out, mm-hmm. just with the odds it had to happen. But when I got around 10, I was like, no, I wanted to do it. Um, on my 12th one of the Tour de France, I disclared my shoulder on stage two in a crash. Um, stage two? Stage two. Christ. And, uh, and for me, it was like, I wasn't, I wasn't really upset. I actually, well, I was upset, but I wasn't shocked. I was like, no, it's, it's time. Yeah. I had a good run. I have to be happy. I did 11 <laughs> in a row. That's a fluke and a half. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. This is, um, yeah. When was that realisation? In the ambulance? No, because no, you no, finished no, the stage. Finished, yeah, yeah, finished of the stage. And we almost uh, didn't make time cut. Because um, I was in a big group. I was with like 11 guys or something in the crash. And it was raining. It was a miserable day. Um, which everyone wishes we had today and <laughs> yesterday. But yeah, it was raining. It was terrible. And we, um, yeah, we lost a lot of time. And um, I didn't realise until like, because I wasn't paying attention with the time limit and that. And... Um, uh, one rider was saying, yeah, we got like three minutes to finish and it was like 1.5k to go or something. So we're a bit, you know, a bit stressed. So, yeah. So started turning the screws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. So we finished it and then um, found out that I had a really bad dislocation of my shoulder. And that was the stay, that was the year when um, we had the Paris Bay stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, wow. Two days later. So, oh, wow. No, it wasn't nice. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> nice at all. And I, I, I thought I'd, I was surprised I finished and I surprised my, I didn't break anything. Um, because, you know, I'm for sure you've broken a bone, but when you break a bone, you know it's broken. Mm. And when you have a different injury, you're sort of like, you don't know. What, what is it? it? Yeah. So I've never had a dislocated shoulder before. So for me, it's like, okay, is something else broken? Is it like the first rib, which is really high next to the collarbone? Or is it, you know, the... Um, some what other... you do, just hover to the line one arm? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, just, yeah, so one arm handed right to the, the, the finish. And then, um, yeah, so it was dislocation. I was taped up like you could not believe, um, very painfully. And, yeah, somehow I got through it. And to me, it was, and the team was supporting me just to finish to get the number 12 from day two mm. what was your thought on day like going on from day two was it like let's just see day by day or was it like at that moment like how am I going to finish this were you already thinking like that um because it would have been a bit overwhelming for me day two onwards you know to think like already for the finish I always say in my head every time a bad situation happens in a race no matter what happens in today's stage hard, easy, snow, sun, tonight I'll be sleeping in my hotel bed. Mm. Um, and it's just whatever happens between is going to finish and I'll be in bed that night in the hotel. So, yeah, it was, uh, I just go through day by day and expected that I won't make it mm. and hope for the best. Yeah, right. And then on, on the back of that, when... Has it changed over time? Because I can imagine sometimes you're starting these Grand Tours maybe not as prepared mentally or physically as you'd want to be. And from 12 onwards when the record came into it, there would be, I'm sure there'd be Grand Tours majority where you're like, there's a primary goal, we're going there for that, I've got this role, and the race sort of takes over. And by the end of the race, you're like, wow, that's another one ticked off, say. 
But there would be some, I can imagine, where they're like, you know what, I haven't recovered that well from the tour. I'm mentally not really ready to start the Giro, uh, the Vuelta. But the show goes on. Have there, have there been a few like that? Oh, for sure. There's always a Vuelta. And yeah. for me, the Vuelta's always like uh, ex- where I experiment with something. Where I go there, four kilos lighter and... Um, and I try different training methods and because I, I really like to research different tri- types of training methods and diet nutritions and things like this and sometimes it's backfired where I get two, wow. two days in I'm like okay this didn't work very well <laughs> <laughs> always two days <laughs> I love that um, 19 to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sometimes it's uh, yeah it's just what do you get out of I actually don't even know how you're getting through it. Like, what I was going to ask you tonight was, okay, you get to that hump. What I've noticed is you get to, like, stage 10, 12, and it's been hard, but it's been the beginning hard, so you can sort of deal with it. And then you get, well, for me anyway, you get to, like, stage 10 or 12, and for me, the the finish is still too far away to see. You know, it's it's still just out of grasp. You get to five to go, it's like five to go. We yeah. can do this. I can make this. And probably from 10 through to like 13, 14, it's like it's a hard period for me because it's like it's really hard. You're pretty damn tired from the first 10 days and it's still f- too far to go. But you've just broken a new one. For you, it's, it's stage two where you, it, it gets pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you don't have that mid, mid-race hump, it sounds like. No, uh, well, yeah, I just try and keep my cool when things go bad and um, I just believe everything works out. Mm. It's just... Uh, it's a mental. It's the mental... Um, well, for sure. It's um, A lot of it's in the head. It's all in the head. Oh, yeah. It's all in the head. Uh, and I think people don't realise how much of it is in the head. So... Yeah, you just got to um, believe in yourself and and you have to have the passion for it. If you don't have the passion for it, that makes it even difficult. And and also, when you've done so many, it does make it easier mentally because you know that... You, you can know, do it. You can do it. It's possible. And um, I think it makes... I think doing three in a year really... And just with my mindset is no matter what happens in that season, you recover and then you start again. And it's not like it's not like you do six in two years. You've done two years of three in one mm. year. So um, yeah, believing you can do three in a year, is, I think it's um, unless I crash and get sick. Yeah, I can keep going until until you fall apart. I guess fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the um, what is the routine now? So like when you when you get home from the Grand Tour. What is your typical, like, is it a week recovery and then straight back into it and start prepping for the next one? What Run me through between each Grand Tour. <clears throat> so for, I try not to touch my bike for eight days. Eight days? Yeah. Wow. So um, hmm, everyone gets really surprised with this. I think um, cyclists train, overtrain quite yeah. a bit. I'd agree with that. So I take eight days off and fully freshen up, and then I... You shouldn't say this, but I treat it like a triathlon. So when you train for an Ironman, for example, you do, you know, your mileage one for one week and then, because you've got three more weeks after that, and then you do like a week of strength work with a bit of speed, and then your third week you get back into speed work. And then, um, yeah, and then 
you've done your your foundation, your strength, and your speed work, and you're ready for your next one. Well, it sounds so sounds simple. So it sounds ridiculously <laughs> simple. Do you do anything else off the bike um, in those eight days, or even in the prep, or even on the Grand Tours? Um, you mean like uh, work-wise, or? Well, not not. I mean, like physical wise, like um, strength conditioning, or do you go for a run, or do you go hiking, or do you do some rock climbing, or you know, I can imagine you're like you said before, you like to venture in different areas with the diet and with the training. What does that involve? Um, well, I definitely like to do. Uh, well, I live in the Czech Republic, so in the winters there, it's um, it's pretty rough, and I do a lot of hiking and cross training in that aspect in in the Czech Republic in the winter. Um, I do a lot of gym work, more because I just love going to the gym, Mm. Um, and I do... Is that that feeling of, for me, it's it's about that sort of endorphin sort of rush. When you're finishing gym, I always feel just alive, you know, like I feel great. Exactly. Is that for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I do like a, I do my own session, like a CrossFit session, Mm. where I'm just, actually it's funny, I'm the only person in the gym just ripping and sweat you know <laughs> <laughs> looking at you like a freak <laughs> and well, I thought just, you would have had a little gym at home I do have a little gym at home um, and I do uh, uh, and I do spend time there um, every day but I do like to um, use some of the machines and things like this so yeah. uh, and also it's it's. you'd be a big stepmaster, wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> could imagine you crushing the stepmaster. I have clocked it <laughs> of course you have <laughs> I don't well, just it. because, like, you know what? I'm just going to clock that. No, I... I <laughs> Clocked I'm, surprised, it. You, I'm surprised you knew what one was. How can you even clock a Stairmaster? <laughs> what, it just breaks? No, they automatically switch off after 20 minutes for the next person. <laughs> so you have 20-minute effort. And um, I used to count my steps. So I used to, because it, you know, counts it. And sh- it also shows you what's, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I was on the Stairmaster. Uh, and then, um, so I'd always, you know, start five minutes easy and then slowly progress to the hardest level. And the one, um, I don't know if it's all the same, but the one in my gym goes, to, I think 20 is the highest level. And <laughs> I'm just envisioning you there like, I'm taking you on. Oh yeah, for sure. And then this one time, um, yeah, I was like, okay, I wanted to max them from the start. So not, no warm up yep. because I only have 20 minutes to do it. So I went straight on, went straight to level 20. And just, just, yeah, went hardcore. What does it mean? Or is it level 20 goes really fast, does it? Yeah, it just gets faster and faster. But is it more power in there? No, it just fast. Um, no, it just gets faster and faster. Um, <laughs> and you can decide if you want to do one step or two steps. So you can miss... Like, oh, yeah. Like you're just running upstairs. Yeah, like you're running upstairs. Is it like running stairs when it's on yeah, 20? It's, um, yeah, you're really, you're really running. For 20 minutes? Yeah, it's, 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 it's full. It actually says 480 watts is... The, the hardest level so for 20, 20 minutes mm. it's not easy and it's actually um, like um, because it's it's not your step yeah. your stride length if you know yeah. what I mean so yeah, yeah. You, you do have to pay attention also it's not like um, you can just yeah like you're going up normal stairs uh, so it, it is not very um, and easy. what happened after 20 minutes it like... just automatically stops because the next person yeah. can use it so yeah unbelievable <laughs> yeah right so yeah, the like <laughs> So well, what about in between those grand tours? Is there any little things, like in that eight-day rest, I know you said you don't get on the bike, but I can imagine you doing like a few other little things. Yeah, I, um, with my diet, I, I have a fasting session, so I do two or three days of fasting. Wow. Completely from day one, or from, you get a bit of recovery in first? No, no, no. Um, I, I, yeah, from basically 
If I do the Giro or the Velta, it's basically directly after the race. Has a protein shake and bang, start fasting there. Um, if it's a tour, then you have that dinner after the tour, so you should eat there. Um, but as soon as possible. So three days straight up. Three days straight straight up. Um, and you do a, just a, a normal, like a proper fast, just with water? Just with water. I might have coffee without sugar. Yeah. Um, and I will have tea without honey or sugar. It's, it's, it's a pure fast. Um, I'm a little believer in the um, autopagathy. I don't know if you know this. This is um, where you uh, regenerate your cells. Yeah. So basically when you... Um, <clears throat> When you use all your glycogen in your system and you um, basically starve yourself, you, your body finds needs to find um, energy, so it breaks down your cells and your cells contain protein. So what your body does is it actually finds the broken proteins or the bad cells, takes those cells, converts them to amino acid, and then uses that as protein to rebuild wow. your body. So it's also, um, they say you live longer if you do things like this and you stay younger longer and... Um, a Japanese guy won. I should remember his name. He won a Nobel Prize on it. So um, it's yeah, it's, it's um, so it's real. So I do it for this reason. Um, I think it's very healthy to do, and for me, it's it's worked wonders. So I do that. When you just go on the fasting, when you're fasting, um, I've done a little bit of fasting in my time. What I notice is I have a lot better benefits when I actually completely buy into the fast in terms of also allowing the body to relax and rest in those periods too and I feel like some people miss that link there where they fast and try and complete their normal day still and it's like well you almost burn the candle at both ends in that respect do you when you obviously you're still traveling home from the the race for that first day but then when you're home those next two days do you then take it down a notch and you know you know get some sunlight for your energy um try and sleep quite a lot or do you just go about your normal day <clears throat> i just go about my normal day um everyone's individual so everyone has to do it different uh and i think it's more because i've probably been doing it longer than mm-hmm. other people so i'm a bit more used to it and you go into ketosis yeah. um so it, it really depends on how fast it, and people vary on how fast they can go into ketosis some people it takes um, over a week um some people can do it depending on the, the diet before, the few days before, they can go into ketosis um, within half a day. So once you go into ketosis, it's very easy to fast after that. So it really um, depends on yeah, the type of person you are and your history on how you eat and also how many, um, what's your regular eating habits if you're eating three times a day, two times a day, one time a day, um, which, you know, this goes back to insulin spikes and mm. um, insulin sensitivity and resistance uh, if you ever do this type of uh, food training, as they say. Uh, so yeah, it's really um, really individual this thing. So for me, it's I just do water for three days, um, and it's good because I think uh, you know in Grand Tour, it's it's what we do is not healthy. There's a lot of toxins that come into the body, just um, you know um, tearing muscles apart, and just the, the food also is not so healthy. Mm. If you think about all the gels and bars, like I know they're performance not enhancing, but the performance food. Um, we do um, not have the best diets in that sense, healthy diets. Um, right. We try to before. All processed food, yeah. It's all processed food. Um, we, d- we do try and have healthy diets, you know, breakfast and dinner. But mm. during the race, uh, we're just having sugar, pure sugar, processed. Um, and which is actually, and I've dabbled in, and I'm sure you have too, at the peak end, it's necessary. You oh, know? yeah, you have to. And yeah. like, we've tri- I, I've tried myself to try and 
do it off a more um, fat-based energy source and it just you, you miss that top end yeah. stuff you know yeah I've experienced that one also yeah <laughs> in a bad way <laughs> in, a, in a grand tour <laughs> yeah I experienced it in Paris and and dragged my ass around Paris which was a horrible experience but it was only a 10 day race but yeah, yeah. well the, the, the sad thing is for us cyclists we do do a lot of research on food which I'm yeah. know, nutrition I'm sure you have too and every study and everything we read on the internet is all good and wonderful for normal people mm. but um, what we do is not normal and uh, you cannot compare it to any study out there so yeah we read something go yeah that sounds you know that sounds good <laughs> I can improve from that and then you do a race you're like oh, no, it didn't work that cost me a lot <laughs> I'm going back right going back to those sorry I keep sidetracking but going back to those eight days I found that really interesting so three days fasting when you come home Mm -hmm. and then following that then I have uh, like I'm I wouldn't say I'm a vegetarian but I'm pretty close to a vegetarian Um, I do eat a lot at home Um, I'm lactose intolerant so uh, I don't go out so often um, because people put dairy products in everything so I really enjoy cooking and I have a lot of um, yeah I love making exotic salads and um, veggies and in a wok or roasted or um, I make uh, raw cakes for an example Mm. things like this so um, I just yeah try and be on a non-processed food diet and eat as healthy as possible and just catch up on on work and my personal life and um, pretend I'm not a cyclist for eight days yeah nice Mm. that that would it's refreshing actually isn't it well yeah for sure like um I think also what's helped me too, and, I, I, and I'm not talking bad about people that all live in the same um, city, um, but for me, I live in the Czech Republic. I'm really isolated from everyone. Uh, I, I finish a Grand Tour, I go home, I don't see a cyclist, and I really, for eight days, I really feel like a non-cyclist. And mm. I think this is very good mentally, because when I do hop on my bike, I do want to ride it, and when I go to the race, I'm excited again. Yeah, and I see all all my friends at the race. It's nice to chat with them. I haven't seen them for you know four weeks before that. My teammates and the staff and everything, and it just keeps um, it just keeps the nice vibe going. Keeps everything fresh. It sounds like yeah. You know, each think, period is refreshing. Yeah. If you if you lived at home in the Czech Republic all year long, I don't know about you, but maybe it wouldn't be as great as it is for that month. Oh, for you sure. know, yeah. and then vice versa. Yeah, I think it's a balance. So. And it's good balance. They help each other and it keeps both lives exciting. Great. Wow. Um, all right, we could probably keep talking all night, but um, the last thing I want to talk about is we're going on to number 20. What's your thoughts now in terms of this? Are you now... I'm done with talking about this and I'm done with this record and whatever happens now or you're like no I really want to knuckle down and just knock out a few more what's your vision in terms of this you're just like now I'm just racing um it's a good question and I still don't know yeah I will do 20 I like to finish 20 I think it's a nice round number um I know my sports directors have questioned me doing this and they think it's an unbelievable thing. It's very difficult. It must be very taxing on your body. And I could be a better cyclist if I didn't do all the ground tours. <clears throat> and I really believe in some sense they're right, for sure. Um, it's, it's not easy and it is taxing on my body. Um, and for me, it's more like which direction I want to go in my career. 
uh, and I'm still a bit undecided on uh, what to do. Uh, so it's it's a bit hard for me to say. Like mm. on what you know, I, the last six or seven years I've had the same race program. Yeah, that's I had the same race program for six years. I've just changed teams now and. It's really exciting for me to be back at the Tour oh, Down Under. I can really believe it. And yeah. you just like it's something I haven't done for six years, and it's all, it's all new. And and then things like that I remember that like I didn't like, and that's exciting too. You're like oh wow, yeah, I, I don't like that. You know, I found that out. Mm. And that's true. It's just change, isn't it? Yeah. So this is what I'm. You know, I'm very excited about a uh, new direction. Mm. Uh, new challenges so I'd like to yeah just to finish the 20 I like the Giro um, I can't remember the last time I've had a European summer off so I'm pretty excited about not going to the tour uh, I'm not cancelling the tour out um, but it's, I just have this hope that I do have a nice summer yeah <laughs> and so I put my I put my hand up for Tour of Swiss so I'm going to do the Giro of Swiss and if I do the tour okay it'd be a bit more difficult um, but I, I wanted to lock myself in Swiss to change things yeah just something different and and yeah I did two of Switzerland I think in 2011 was the last time and I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it so it'd be nice to it is good racing there isn't it yeah it's it's ah Switzerland's beautiful actually a lot of places we go is beautiful so it'd be nice to have a change and and do that and and see see if I can become a better cyclist by racing less days hmm mate awesome to talk to you Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for that. Hopefully it's not the last one. I don't think so. <laughs> I've got to do some more research and we can talk about many other things. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>